3: Welcome to Light Years. This is the post game show on Locker Room. Uh, I think we're going to be in for a lively one today. Uh, Aaron, you there? Yeah, you got me? Yeah, you sound good. Yeah,
4: okay. Okay. All right. Now, yeah, I don't know what the problem was last time, but I got the full microphone. So the computer mic, we're ready to go. Let's get it.
3: Let's get it. Did you think the Warriors were going to no show this hard after the Utah Jazz game?
4: Uh, no, not like this, not complete. No show. Uh, I didn't think the, the Warriors would win, but not a complete no show. Although it didn't shock me because frankly, this is kind of what the Warriors are. And it, when you go through the highs and the lows of the season, what it boils down to and what it ends up being is this just very, very mediocre. So there are good games and bad games. There are two point wins and two point losses. There are twenty point wins and twenty point losses. But when it when you actually get down to it, the Warriors just plain aren't very good. And so this wasn't surprising. And, and I I think I think where the game was lost is the reliance on that second unit. Steve Kerr continues to say we need twenty games or fifty games or one hundred and fifty games to figure out what the rotations are going to be. But I, I tweeted this out: the Warriors' second unit. Has a bunch of nobodies and was terrible in their, their first game back after the break. Um, it didn't end up costing them, but the, the warriors second unit has non NBA players in it. And the Lakers second unit has LeBron James. You're going to lose those minutes by a million. It was predictable. It, it completely demoralized the warriors. So it wasn't shocking at all.
3: Do you think the warriors should have shifted up their second, second unit rotation, should it have been a situation where they just go back to Steph earlier or – because I, I'm trying to be sympathetic to the coaching staff here. Uh, they're mm-hmm. trying a new second unit. We had two games with this second unit before tonight. One went well. One did not go well. That's kind of the theme of the season, right? Um, does it make sense for the Warriors to actually start like trying to mix and match in every game in that capacity, or should they have just brought Steph and Draymond in earlier?
4: all right so so you and i texted about this in the first quarter i may have tweeted about this i don't remember but and you and i texted about this after or during the, the utah game too i told you that my thought was that kerr was going to keep the second unit the same thing as it was against utah because uh the warriors were really good in the game it was probably their best win and they won the game but I, but I, uh, in my opinion, that's too much of a surface-level discussion, and it's too much of a surface-level decision. You and I talk about, and you and sure. uh, you, you and Andy talk a lot about process versus results, and that was a, re- in my opinion, that was a results decision. The Warriors won the game. We're going to keep it the same. The Warriors' second unit in the Utah game was terrible. Uh, they made, Poole and Mannion made a few shots. In both the second and fourth quarter, they made a couple shots, to keep the team afloat. They, they basically the hit a shot every time Utah was right. about to bust it. Right. So, you know, the Warriors would have an eight or 10-point lead, and Utah would cut it to two, and then Mannion or Poole would would make a three uh, just to, like, keep them afloat. The second unit was bad. They were bad against Utah. They were bad again tonight. So uh, the fact that, hey, we won, so let's keep that second unit together because it worked, well, it didn't really work. They happen to make shots. Yes, it is a make-or-miss league, but you are not going to rely on Poole and Mannion making threes to keep that second unit afloat. If that's all you got, desperation for threes from those two guys, it's not going to work, and it didn't work again tonight, which, in my opinion, was predictable.
3: I feel like versus Utah, you saw them go a little more to the side pick-and-roll with Poole versus um, with Wiseman. They had a little success. I don't think Utah saw it coming because they had used it all season. I couldn't really tell if it was an issue of them just going away from it for no reason or the Lakers just knowing exactly what they were going to do. But it just felt completely predictable the whole way through, I guess. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not surprised LeBron knows every one of the Warriors sets. He's only played this team 80 times in the last seven years or whatever it may be. Right? Yeah, but, like, and he also, and he
4: also, that was, that was the thing in, in, in when the Lakers beat the Warriors by two a million yeah. two weeks ago. It was LeBron knows everything they're going to do, and he's just playing Ed Reed and, you know. And just, they're not just executing
3: throwing... it at the same speed they used to execute it at in 2018 when they had, like, five Hall of Famers. Like, that, that was... You're watching kind of like normal players try to execute the Warriors offense, and LeBron's going to sniff that out, right?
4: Yeah, I mean, uh, you and I have talked about before how smart LeBron is. Um, he doesn't and always give everything he has defensively, but when he feels like it, and playing against Steph is a time he feels like it. Um when he wants to put that effort in defensively, he is still among the best defensive. He's just a, you know, he's a game wrecker defensively and he's one of the smartest guys in the league. So when he has, when he knows what you're going to do and you play a lineup that has so many non-shooters that he doesn't have to worry about a bunch of guys and he can just kind of roam, that's not going to work. You know what it looks like? It looks like 2012 LeBron Miami, where he is just, he is the destroyer of worlds. Yeah. And, um, Actually, I want to pivot this
3: to, to Draymond Green. I feel like he's maybe the most interesting story for the Warriors this game. Like, if you want to just go with a pure Warriors perspective, I'm not really into bagging on Nico Manion for being a 19-year-old two-way player who probably shouldn't be in this situation, to be honest. Um, Draymond... No, but what I does that like, say? No, but
4: you're right, but what does yeah, that say?
3: It's more of a roster and coaching decision. Like, it's you you can blame the front office for the roster they built, or you could blame the coaching staff for playing them. Um, I feel like it goes hand in hand a little bit. I, I feel like for a team that loves to talk about being on the same page, you can't give one person credit any more than you can give one person to blame. If they want to all claim it as one collective unit, they have to own the losses as one collective unit too. Fair. Um, but I want to get to Draymond here because I think this is kind of a more important point going forward. I thought Draymond was excellent against Utah. I feel like Draymond's shown signs of life recently. Um, You know, not 2016 Draymond, but certainly better than the player early in the season who had COVID. And tonight was just a complete no-show from him. And I don't know what to make of that. I don't know if I want to, I don't know if that's just a no-show game or we're just seeing him. He's at this stage in his career where you get him against better competition. Maybe he can't do the things he used to do against it.
4: I think that Dre is uh, a microcosm of and indicative of, and a, a harbinger of the entire team. He can't do it always. Uh, he just is not, because he doesn't trust his jump shot, he's just not going to do it always. Even though everybody, me, you, his teammates, his co- the coaching staff is going to implore him to shoot the ball. He doesn't trust himself shooting the ball. It leads to terrible turnovers. Um, And he just, his, his, whether it's his body betraying him or his psyche betraying him, the shot is gone and he just doesn't trust himself. So I, I I think he's, I think he is kind of, you know, a microcosm of the entire team. He's, he's just offensively, he's just mediocre now. And this is what you're going to get. It's It's not like, it's, it's it's not the same
3: thing you got from Wiggins, right? Like if everything's rolling, and the the vibe is positive, they're gonna let it fly a little more and things are gonna be good. But if it's a little tighter, the competition gets a little better, they're gonna start overthinking it and just waiting for stuff to come open off well, the screen. So
4: I don't think I don't think it's specifically I guess one 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 place where I would kind of disagree is I don't think that it is competition specific, right? Because Uh, the lakers are the best defensive team in the league but utah is right there also and utah has the best record in the league and he was incredible against utah so i don't even know that it's uh opposition specific so much it's just like night to night you just don't know what you're gonna get yeah and i I feel well. you know you're gonna get you know you're gonna get a bunch of turnovers (laughs) other than that you don't know what you're gonna get
3: yeah exactly and that might actually be the best way to to look at it. It's like it's not that Draymond can't be an impact player. It's that maybe counting on him to be an impact player every night, the way you the way Steph Curry is, I guess the best way, better way to put it, that might not be there going forward. And that might that might be he might be in that Andre Iguodala phase of his career where it's like you know Iguodala could play versus anyone, but maybe the last couple of years you're not counting on Igadala to turn up with that same energy level shot making, whatever it may be every night, because maybe his body wouldn't let him to maybe, maybe that's where Draymond is with his career because he still has the ability to play well against the best in the league, but it's just not there at the same frequency that you need it to be for one of the two or three best players on your team.
4: Now, you know, you know, what it reminds me of is, um, I don't know. I'm sure I'm sure a bunch of uh, the the people, your listeners and the people in the room, I, I'm sure a bunch of them play fantasy football. Right. And uh, the 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 dudes a running back or receiver or whatever that is going to give you 180 yards and three touchdowns one week and then 20 yards. There, and you, fumble go. And no, there right? you go. Right. Like yeah. like those are the guys that get you beat. You'd rather have the guys that give you a right, hundred yards and a touchdown every week, every week. So you know what it is. The, the the guys that give you these huge highs and, and low lows, those are the guys that get you beat. And and that's what Draymond is. When you, when you take it in total, and look, he's still a force defensively. But when you take it in total, it still looks pretty good, although he's going to be the first player in NBA history, first rotation guy to average more assists and rebounds and points. But when you take it in total, like Draymond still does some things that win, but you just can't count to him night to night. And offensively, the Warriors need just solid guys that you can count on night to night to night because because i mean look frankly steph don't have no help and steph like he yes. can't he can't do it on his own i mean no nobody can right. yeah
3: i mean steph had 20 points in the first half i what was he uh seven for 12 in the first i mean you can't really ask for much more than that on a consistent basis and they were still blown out in the first half right so that's kind of what you're getting here when you're going against. A no, no, hold on. Team. No,
4: they were blown out in the second quarter.
3: Well, that's true. Yeah, I mean, but but the, the point stands. If if they're a little more confident in the second quarter, a Steph Herculean first quarter plus a semi-confident second quarter would have kept them in the game, which speaks to kind of just uh, how far they are from from really competing. And it's not, in in my opinion, it's not really something that Clay Thompson solves next year. Clay helps, but I don't think. He's going to just save the world. He's not going to make Draymond Green younger. He's not going right to Andrew speak. Wiggins a new player.
4: That's um, the, I think that's the right way to put it. He helps. He doesn't solve.
3: Yeah. Um, let's talk. Let's talk a little James Wiseman. Um, yeah. What did you see from tonight? I, I saw some good. I saw some bad. I saw a little bit of everything, but not necessarily discouraged.
4: Uh, so every time every time you ask me about Wiseman, uh, I have to say this with the caveat that I colonized Wiseman Island. Right. Uh, I thought that he was very up and down. I, I was somewhat discouraged. Um, James Wiseman is going to score. Uh, the hands looked not as good as they did uh, in the Utah game, even in, in the Clipper game. Um, but he's going to score. He just has a knack for scoring. Um, I, I don't think he is being done any favors by being asked to post up three, or four times a game. I don't know um, why they
3: went back to that. I thought the one thing I really liked from the Utah game, and I still want to see him shoot more like in the Utah game, the one, the two opportunities he got to take threes, you saw him scanning the floor. Like he shooting. It was definitely the last thing on his mind. And you could tell that was a schematic choice. Mm-hmm. Or like what he was being told, like don't shoot it unless there's no other option, which is just not a good idea.
4: To coach I, think it, I think it's honestly, I think it's, I think it's in his head. I think it's the same thing. And, and I'm not certain. I suspect some of this uh, has been put in his head, but I'm not certain of that, but it, it looks, it, it's reminiscent of, of Draymond. Right. Uh, like they, they will shoot it if there aren't other options. And by that time, the offense is bogged down. If you were open at the three point line, let it fly. Um, I didn't love, he, he looked a little soft. He was posting up against switches a lot against THT who's, you know, strong, but also 20 years old and six, five. And he was getting pushed off the block by THT, which I didn't love. Um, defensively he was a mess tonight he he sometimes is a mess um he's so afraid to foul that he just gets that also paralyzed. feels like he gets paralyzed like
3: a coaching thing where they i agree so, i agree they're so the, in his head like don't foul that like i i said this on the last um post game i would rather he foul out early i would rather him go over for six from three than play with what feels like just too much information in his head where he can't play freely
4: yeah so so in my opinion uh i guess i have a little experience with this it is easier to uh tone down aggressiveness and and try to have guys play smart aggressive or you know use your aggressiveness (laughs) and and be able to manage that than take passive guys and get them aggressive and i think that i mean there's obviously some history there uh if you know you ask uh penny hardaway right the, the the key was always make him more aggressive and so i think what little aggressiveness he showed defensively at the beginning of the year um has maybe been coached out of him or maybe it's just himself in his head but he seems in his head about fouling and then the other thing is and this is i think this is a him thing that his recognition isn't there yet. So his rotations are slow and he doesn't notice when he needs to help on drives uh, to the rim. So he gets there slow and then can't do anything about helping. So uh, I I thought, I thought it was a pretty messy game. I mean, you still see the flashes of him, but all of those flashes seem to be offensively.
3: Yeah. And I've kind of taken the, the standpoint where I'm, I'm going very easy on him defensively. Like, I just want to give him an off-season on that front, I guess, more so. Absolutely. But, But yes, there's a ways to go on that end. I thought that would be a little more advanced than it was coming out. And, you know, it's not. So,
4: With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that.
0: Learn more at Marines.com.
4: Yeah, I mean, let's be like let's 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 be fair about it, right? Uh Damian Jones is a guy that the Warriors tossed aside who was in the mold of of wise men, but not quite as athletic and not not quite quite as as big and not quite as talented and he was frankly better than than Wiseman today and he wasn't good um so you know I I, look again as as the guy that colonized uh, Wiseman Island I still think he's going to be a monster but it's not there yet look no one's perfect
3: even the best baseball players strike out with the bases loaded the best golfers, sometimes three-putt with the tournament on the line. So if you feel like you're coming up short in the bedroom sometimes, it's perfectly okay. But if it's bothering you, there are options. Go to roman.com slash light years now. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A US-licensed healthcare professional We'll work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, it ships to you free with two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash and complete an online visit. Take care of your ED without leaving your home. Complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it. Go to Get Roman.com slash light years and get $15 off your first month. Look, there's a straightforward way to take care of your ED. Get Roman.com slash light Get started now to save $15 off your first month of treatment. All right, let's get to some of these callers. Let's see what they have for us. Will, what's going on? Uh, what's up, fellas? How we doing? Yeah, just hanging on there. Normal Monday night. (laughs) Yeah, man. I need to get off this uh,
1: schizophrenic roller coaster of the Warriors season, man. It's like every game, I'm either back in or back out. There's like no in between. It really sucks. And one of the last times I called in here, we talked about how I had Wanamaker as one of my least favorite players in the history of the (laughs) Warriors organization, man. And I truly mean that. Like, he didn't even play tonight. But the reason we do not like water makers because this team has the components to be good. You know, we have a top three player in the league elements of a championship DNA, at least some of it with Draymond and Wiseman and things like that. That is why these guys are so much more unlikable to me than, you know, some of the other warriors players, because man, those Mike Dunleavy's those, you know, with Donald foils, we weren't going anywhere period. You know what I mean? So that, to me is why these people are so much more frustrating and uh, man, you know, I, I think like the 2010 giants, you know, like did the, uh, they had the trademark of its torture. I mean, this is, this is torture for me because I just hate seeing our boy Steph like this, you know, coming out firing to start the game. You just have no help. It sucks. And uh, you know, I think the the question I'll leave you with is if you had to take any, we believe warrior player, uh, not named Baron Davis to add to this squad to make us better. Who you taking and, and why, Sam?
3: Okay, appreciate that. Will. Mm, mm. I think I'm gonna start with. It's a good question. Yeah. Um, I think we're. I think we're going Captain Jack. I think I know Andy is a Captain Jack guy, but he's not here. <laughs> um, I think they need someone who's going to kick them in the ass a little more. Um, Wiggins is frustrating in the way that like some nights you feel like he's really turning a corner and then you get nights like tonight. Um, I, I, I don't know. I think captain Jack, he, he didn't solve the problems they have, but it's a multi-skilled wing can do a little bit of everything. And he's definitely going to get into it a little bit when things aren't going right. And it feels like t- too often with this team, When things are not going right, it's just kind of like, all right, let's pack it up. Let's uh, let's just let them blow us out by fifty, and we'll we'll see what goes on next game.
4: All right, so I'm gonna go. I got two for you. I I really, I really want to say Al Um, (laughs) buckets. That's what I really want to say, but I think actually, um, I think actually, Monte coming off the bench is is like a little. I mean, Kerr would never let him play. But uh, I think Monte coming off the bit, the Warriors need a second unit guy that can just get buckets. And they've tried a million different guys in that role theoretically, but somebody that somebody that can hold an offense afloat while, while Steph sits is the, I think the primary need for the Warriors. So I'm going, I'm going Monte I'm going off the board a little bit.
3: I like that. That is a good point. That's actually something this team has not had in like five years. It didn't really matter when you had KD Steph, clay and, all that, like it, there's not really a need for a microwave score with that, but it, they could really use someone just who can create their own shot. Honestly, mm-hmm. like, I mean, part of the Utah game that was exciting was that Jordan Poole filled that role. And like, it's a little too early to assume he can fill that role with consistency, but he filled it for one night and you saw how big of a difference it made for this team. I don't even think the second unit was that good versus Utah. They just did enough to not completely turn the game over
4: uh they no, i mean they they plainly weren't <laughs> they, again yeah. like i said this earlier they were bad uh pool and manion right before all of their shifts were over pool and manion just made a couple threes to like make it look better but they were they, they, they the process was bad
0: yeah all right kent what's up man hey what's going on sam and aaron how are you guys we're good what do you what do you got for us you know i was thinking back to a tweet by Chris Mannix from May of 2018 about if you could start an expansion team and you were the GM, would you take Brad Stevens or any NBA player? I think former minority owner uh, of the Celtics, Joel Acup, took some inspiration from that and picked Steve <laughs> Kerr <Kirk laughs> instead. Oh, no. Because, oh, my goodness. It's just so frustrating to watch every game, right? And you're like, okay, we're going to play two-way player, Nico Manion. Not to bash him, as you said, Sam, but we're here, right? Next year, there's already too many bodies on this team. In what world can Nico Manion be developed enough to have a rotation position next year on the team? It, this doesn't take that much foresight, and it's incredibly frustrating to go, hey, Steph, here's a 15-point deficit after you held the Lakers to pretty much even after the first quarter. Good luck. Like, is this how you're going to treat your franchise's best player? It's so frustrating to watch. Game
3: in, game out. Appreciate it, Kent. That is an interesting point. That's one we haven't really talked about. But you got Mannion. You got Smiley Beach. Um, Obviously, James White. Wy- I think we both think James Wiseman will be a good player. Um, and he's of a higher yes. caliber, talent-wise, than the first two guys I named. Um, but that's three. You got Jordan Poole, who still hasn't established himself in the NBA. That's four. You got Eric Paschal. That's another guy who hasn't established himself in the NBA. That's five those are five players of contracts for next year. And you're going to bring the wolves pick into this at a certain point. There's, I don't even know if there's enough veterans you can add to a roster to consider contending. If you have six or seven projects, it's something that the team probably has to consider in, in the off season. It's okay to carry I mean, obviously it's okay to carry a couple guys like that, particularly if one of them is as talented as James Wiseman, but if you're serious about kind of making a run at it, when clay comes back next year, with staff with Draymond, you have to, I mean, look at the Lakers who on the Lakers is under 25. Talon Horton Tunner, Is that it?
4: Yeah. And uh, Caruso, I think is uh, he's 25. uh, Caruso and Kuzma on the younger
3: end, but yeah. yeah,
4: And, and, and uh, antenna cupo, but like, you know, they're two way guys. Sure. But that's, that's that's normal you know what i i think um i mean look (laughs) nico Mannion isn't he just plainly like i think it's simpler than that nico Mannion is not an nba player could he be i doubt it but could he be maybe at some point but he isn't presently brad wanamaker is a fringe nba guy in the best of times but has been so bad he's not an nba player uh jordan pool Is only maybe an NBA player. He hasn't proven to be an NBA player yet. But if he is an NBA player, it is because he can shoot it and create off the dribble and is a decent passer, which we saw at the end of last season, a little bit at the beginning of this season, and then down in the bubble. He turned it over way too much, but but so be it. So then if you're going to bring him back, I don't understand cutting his skill set in half, cutting his value in half, and playing him with Mannion. Mannion just plainly can't play in the NBA yet and if Poole can play in the nba it's going to be as a kind of combo guard that has the ball in his hands and can shoot the ball and create for other people um so like playing him with Mannion just neuters him it it's 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 asinine it just like it 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 just doesn't make any sense it's just bad process so um but i mean yeah look i think but it's also like going into next year saying you know how do you compete with with all of these dead roster spots that's a choice that the front office has made and must continue to make. You can cut anybody you want. It's just a matter of, is Joe Lacob willing to pay what it is going to take to cut these guys and then sign new guys? They don't have to have Smiley Geach on the roster. They don't have to have Lee or Mulder or Pascal. I mean, you can cut all of these guys. Uh, Pascal, I mean, Pascal's an NBA guy. He's not good, but he's, he's an NBA guy. He's a rotation guy, at least not in the way he's being deployed presently, but the warriors are not forced to carry all this dead weight on their roster they can cut guys and sign guys that are better they just for whatever reason have been in my opinion like taking the long game uh too seriously and and also trying to be smarter than everybody else and and hold on to their guys but it, like the die is not cast if they're willing to cut the dead weight they certainly can and i do think
3: they would say that they took this approach after Clay got hurt. Clay is a max player. He takes up 30% of your cap. When he goes down the day of the draft, it kind of throws everything through a loop. Um we've heard Steve Kerr say it's this that's not what this season is about. That sort of stuff. Um, But it brings back to kind of the point you and I have discussed in the past, which is if you're not trying to win this year, you gotta be developing guys. And has that happened? So no. I don't know. They're they're sitting. And in a look, this is my opponent. this is
4: my frustration this is my frustration with Kerr, uh, and I sent a not very nice tweet about him that I caught some flack for, um, but which is a separate issue. But I he doesn't get it both ways. Like organizationally, they're trying to as you you guys have talked about, you and Andy have talked about a bunch. They're trying to do it both ways: be the San Antonio, which we're going to win now, and develop. Right now, they're doing neither, and Kerr has said, look, we're not gonna chase wins. We're not gonna try to, we're not gonna play Steph extra minutes trying to win games. I disagree with that approach, but if that's going to be the the approach of the organization, so be it. If you're going to do that though, then you don't get to sit wiseman because he's not playing well and then play and start Looney and and you know if you're if you're going to do de- if you're going to look towards next year, then you have to develop guys that are going to be on the roster next year. You have to develop Wiseman, he's the future. Why are you playing Brad Wanamaker for 35 games when he's w- among the most ro- worst rotation players in the NBA play Jordan Poole instead, right? If you're going to make decisions towards the future, fine, but then those decisions have to be made towards the future. Agreed. All right,
3: Domin, we have uh Daman Rangula. angle. You even tried to take a victory lap. I'm kicking off the stage.
5: <laughs> Listen, uh, Aaron may seem like a friendly face to you guys, but per sources, He's already offered her services as sous chef for Aisha's restaurant in Staples Center next year.
4: Yeah, here so, you go.
5: <laughs> you know, just 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 sources are talking. But no, I I I actually it was perfect that you brought me on right now because what struck me watching the Warriors today and and sort of watching them in a lot of their uh, surprisingly a lot of blowouts this year um, is. If I was to ask Steve Kerr and Bob Myers, what is your goal for this season? Um, I don't know if I have an answer for that. I don't know if they have an answer for it. And if they do, they're doing a poor job of executing it. Because like Aaron said, sometimes it seems like, you know, they're, they're not going to chase wins. They're not going to, you know, run Steph into the ground. OK, I get that. That's a that's a clear thought. Whether we agree or disagree with that, that's a decision that an organization can make. But then everything has to be aligned with that, right? Then, then, then you have to prioritize Wiseman's development, or and and other trying to, you know, uh, trying out a lot of G League players, just running them in and out of the rotation, trying to see who sticks and building for next year. Um, and quite frankly, we're at the halfway point of the season. If things aren't going well, who in the organization right now, whether it's it has to be, it, it can't be the coach himself, but. Who in that organization is going to recognize that and put their foot down and say, OK, guys, uh, we're not used to build, rebuilding. We get it. You know, we're used to we're used to being a title team. That's OK, but we have to shake things up. We have to, you know, really align behind one goal, whatever that goal is. Who's going to be that? Voice? It's
3: a fair point. Um, I think the fact that no one's doing it, I think it, 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 I think it was still offseason, honestly. Like, let's be real. They're they're not gonna do any. They're not gonna make any of these changes till next summer. We waited till last offseason. We're like, all right. They, they took the uh gap year. Uh, you know, stuff got hurt. Obviously, when Steph went down, they weren't doing anything last year, and then we get the the second injury with Clay this year. So, I'm just waiting to see what the direction is because I don't expect them to come out and throw a tantrum in the media or say something like everything's not all as well or something at this point. Right. Like we, we, we shouldn't expect that. It's I think what's frustrating is, you know, you're not going to win a title this year. So for me, I'm more interested in looking at, you know, kind of how James Wiseman gets better as the year goes forward. And maybe if we see anything interesting with, with some of the fringe pieces, you know, maybe Jordan Poole, he showed some interest, some stuff like that. Um, and you get games like this, it's, it's frustrating. There's no other way to put it.
4: Uh, a couple things. One, like everybody and, you know, everybody in the outside, like snickers at LeBron imposing his will and, and pressure nah, on whatever front not, offices. We're not going here again. No, <laughs> no, no. So, no, but my question is, like, we saw for the first time publicly, we saw Steph, right, the other day uh, in the Clippers game, you just, like, publicly rip guys. Um, and we haven't seen that from Steph so far. So if, if somebody is going to do it to, to answer the question, I think the only person who can do that is Steph. Now I'm not saying he should, or he will. Um, but I think that's the only person in the organization that has that cachet to say, we need some changes here. He's certainly the only player like Draymond, Draymond says what he says, but I think Steph is the only guy that that has that. And I'm not even suggesting that he should take that route, but I think he would be the only guy that, that would. And, and frankly, like the thing that's concerning is, do we trust, you know, we're talking about what does the development look like? But the thing that's concerning is, is there any track record that should indicate that we should trust the Warriors development staff to get the best out of guys? I mean, you talked to talk, had Ethan on, and he wrote the piece about that, uh there didn't necessarily seem to be the the connection between the warriors and the the uh, Santa Cruz warriors as far as development and right. and, Poo- and and Jordan Poole made that development because he was down there possibly yeah. so
6: oh sorry okay hello <laughs> um i I've, I've been thinking about something for a while now why does this front office and coaching staff get credit for light years, pace and space, and all this sort of stuff? Let's just go look at the track record of what this team has done since Lakeup took over, right? DeAndre Jordan offer sheet in 2011. Trading for Andrew Bogut. Um, wanting to start David Lee over Draymond Green. Let's not forget about that. Kevin Love trading, wanting to trade him for, for Clay Thompson. All this stuff just doesn't seem to come off as pace and space or getting three-point shooters the only thing they've really done is draft Clay thompson that indicates wanting to play pace in space and i just don't get why we give them credit for this 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 mantra of light years it just makes no sense to me because they haven't done anything to justify it
3: i think that's a little harsh um i do by the way we appreciate you coming on um i think the general point isn't unfair um they lucked into a couple of things like the most obvious one is Draymond Green, but to be fair, there's not a team in the NBA who would have pegged Draymond to be the player who basically changed the power forward position, right? Like that's sometimes you just get a little lucky in those regards. Um, I do think we have now seen enough from this organization to, Let's just be real they they kind of prioritize size there's a level and it is basketball size matters right, but like there is a level of
4: just in basketball, yes, exactly.
3: <laughs> I don't know that um you know, it's not, it's not the Don Nelson team where they're just trying to outrun everyone. Like at their core, I I do think Steve Kerr thinks like that stuff doesn't translate in the playoffs. Like I do think he thinks you have to be able to play more of an old school game in the play. You have to at least be able to, you have to be able to defend bigs. You have to be able to play through the mid range. Like I don't think I'm saying anything new to say it at this point. And that's always going to be part of this organization on some level or another until you change the voices
4: here right yeah now look to be fair uh and I, again i'm as hard on steve kerr publicly as anyone but to be fair the warriors had a like early prime steph and clay with mark jackson and had a pretty mediocre offense and then immediately without really changing any of the pieces um had a great offense immediately so Steve Kerr is not, I mean, he knows what he's doing. I, right. I, I think, I think in some ways that like the game has gotten past him and he's, he's pretty stubborn and, and his ego causes some problems, but like, you know, all, all of the pace and space stuff and all the light year stuff, like at the time, I, I think it's fair the, the Warriors, that's why they won so much. The Warriors were ahead of the curve on a bunch of things.
3: Let me ask you this. That's an interesting point because I've thought that same thing too how do you think the game has passed them by? Like what has changed since 2016? And I'm not talking talent. Like obviously they don't have Kevin Durant and Steph's not 28 anymore. And Draymond's not 28 anymore or whatever. Um, what do you, what is specifically changed that they're not caught up on?
4: So I don't think it's that I don't, I don't think it's that the, the Warriors are not caught up. I think it is. Uh, so I'm an, I'm an A's fan and I think the, the Warriors, whether they lucked into it or it was purposeful, kind of took a money ball approach and figured out where the game was going before the rest of the league did. And um, I think they got kind of lucky with the guys that they got to do those things. And so I think that that made them feel like they were smarter than everybody else and didn't continue to innovate. So now the rest of the league has caught up to them and in some respects passed them. Um, There's there's not enough shooting. The, The Warriors were the first, we the first team to prioritize uh, the big wings. But I think, I think the big secret to the Warriors success was their best players were all two way guys, right? The, the, the reason the death lineup worked was because you could play that lineup and guard everybody and blow everybody out of the water offensively because you didn't have to make concessions offensively versus defensively. Um, and so as 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 everybody else has caught up to that and prioritized even more shooting, look at the Rockets, you know, the 27 straight misses notwithstanding, uh, the Warriors have kind of found found their comfort spot and thought that was what it was and their system is what it was. And the passing and the 300 passes and the staff setting pin downs and all of that. Uh, so I think they got comfortable winning and didn't continue to innovate and got caught by the rest of the league.
3: Now, is that an issue of, like, tactically not innovating or they just can't find the right players? Because I still think just having as many two-way guys as possible plays. Like, hey, we haven't moved beyond Absolutely. That. Absolutely. But, yeah, but, but, but like, easy, also easier said than done to find, guys, particularly when you're capped out.
4: Right. But, but so I think what it is was when they had all of those guys, the genius – was that all of those guys were such smart basketball players and they could initiate the offense from so many different places um and everybody was passing and cutting and reading and reacting and that let steph cook that let clay cook that let kd cook when you don't have those guys anymore and those guys that are used to that system and used to reading and reacting now it requires a little bit more, hey, Steph, just go get us a bucket. Now you have to play a little bit more conventional NBA basketball, utilizing the talent of perhaps the best offensive player in the history of planet Earth. Um, and uh, I, see, so, I see what you're
3: saying. They're they're still trying to run the system where they have four playmakers on the floor when they now only have 1.5 playmakers.
4: Yeah, now they don't have those. They, yeah, they don't have those guys anymore. Um, so they're still prioritizing the big wings. Um But they don't have that IQ, they don't have that passing, and they don't even have, you know, even the old veterans. Tell tell you to
3: raise not Kevin Durant.
4: No, but even, but even like, (laughs) even, even the guys that they brought in, minimum guys, right? Even Zaza or even uh, uh, David West, those guys, Bogut, those guys could facilitate out of the high post and make offense easier for Steph. And so if you, if you don't have any of those guys and you don't have the other scoring threats, KD and, and Clay, like, you can't they just can't do it anymore and so now to help Steph out they need shooting and they haven't been willing to prioritize that because in my opinion they've gotten not lazy but they take Steph for granted and, and the thought is eh, steph will get us a good offense by himself and that may have been true two or three years ago but it's not true anymore
3: and even to tie to your point james wiseman is a phenomenal talent uh talent through the roof right I would not necessarily classify him as a player I think is going to be a playmaker for others. Um, And too often they're, they're trying to utilize him in ways in which they might've utilized uh, Andrew Bogut, uh, Looney, or even like Kevin Durant, like ask him to do stuff that I just, it's not just that I don't think he can do it now. I don't know that that's the type of player he's going to be in four to five years if he's developed properly. Um, and that's kind of where you're trying to fit a a square peg into a round hole. That's what I see in terms of, well, this is our system. This is how we play instead of we, we got this kid who has, you know, superstar upside, but it's a different type of superstar than what we've had in the past. So maybe we need to start adapting things to play towards that.
4: Yeah, I mean, again, like, I I,
3: make, I, I, don't know, mean, I don't know if it's I don't know if he's if it's too young to make those sort of declarations, because he is, as we always love to say, he's only 19. But, um, yes. but it's just like looking at it, like, I don't see, you know, him coming back and like passing out of the post like he's Nikola Jokic or something like that's just not who he is as a player.
4: Well, I, again, like uh, the the Warriors got the, or they named themselves light years, but the Warriors said they were light years ahead of everybody else because they were ahead of the rest of the NBA. Now the NBA has caught them because it is a copycat league, what works, other teams copy, and the rest of the league has caught them, uh, has copied them and caught them, and in some cases surpassed them. Um, and the Warriors have been, seem stuck with what were. And by the way, I think that's human nature, right? Like if something works that gets stuck in your head, like I'm going to keep doing that. Because it worked. It won a bunch of championships. But it wasn't the system. It was the guys.
3: That's a good way to put it. It wasn't the system. It was the guys. And I would agree with you. The system always has to come in secondary. All right. Jonathan, what's going on, man? Yo, what's up, Sam? What's up, Aaron?
4: What's good?
6: Uh, Man, I think this was a really, really disappointing loss. Of course, it was a back-to-back. But, just because of
3: effort, and you know, kind of going back to that old question, I don't know about y'all, but it's like this team talent, say what you want, but like look at the Lakers roster, that team isn't that much more talented. They got vets, but they have heart, like this warrior squad, yes, there's not enough shooting, there's not enough veteran play, but at the end of the day, it's like when you're getting blown out, who is the leader on the court to say? Like, let's go. I I think that's clear. It's not there. You see what Wiseman is body language. You just see the
1: body language is trash. And I don't know who that falls on, but I don't know if if y'all can see that too.
3: I think – so I actually thought they had good body language in the first quarter. I thought staff played – by the way, Jonathan, we appreciate you. I I think this game just totally fell, fell apart in the second quarter. To be honest, like, you know, the Lakers did get out of the first quarter with a lead, but like the late, you know, the Warriors played him as well as you'd expect, given that no one other than Steph was hitting a shot there. I think this was more a, a talent issue, to be honest, like the Lakers, even without AD and uh, Marcus Gasol and Caruso, I mean, it was still LeBron and eight veterans, nine veterans, whatever you want to say, like the, the Warriors at this point it, could use some veterans. They could use... At least you know what you're getting from KCP every night. You know what you're getting from like Markeith Morris every night. Like, do you know what you're getting from three cores the Warriors roster on any given night? Mm, I don't know. That's that's where I'm at with it.
4: I mean, clear. No, I mean clearly, <laughs> clearly you don't. And- uh, no, I look. I, I think uh, he's right that. Generally, the, the Lakers roster is significantly more talented than, than the Warriors roster, but without AD, without Gasol, without Caruso, uh, tonight, that's not the case. But then the problem becomes uh, the Lakers are less reliant on LeBron to create all of their offense, you know, with, with Schroeder and with Trez um, and Caruso, uh, excuse me, and, and Kuz a little bit, that he can go to the bench and the Warriors are completely reliant on Steph. So if you tread water with Steph, then you come back in with Nico. It's Nico Mannion and Jordan Poole and Pascal and Wiseman yeah, and Ubre playing against LeBron. And that just isn't going to work. LeBron is going to dominate those minutes over and over and over and over and over every single time. So that seems like a, uh, and, and I agree the body language wasn't great and the Warriors didn't put forth a, a good effort, but to me, that seems like a rotation and, uh, and coaching decision. Yeah, I mean, it's not—it's not putting guys like Nico Mannion cannot dribble the ball around LeBron. Like that's that doesn't <laughs> yeah. that, 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 that doesn't seem like ran you're into optimizing that, when your he ran guys. Into that
3: Lebron screen—that was just like, yeah, it's kind of the talent difference going on right there. Um, yeah, I mean, there's not much else to say, honestly. Uh, let's see, one last caller. Next person to request. Alright, Roger, what's up, man?
2: What's going on, guys? Uh, so I, like the last guy said, I was watching that Banyan, Pool Ubre Pascal Wiseman unit. And I was just thinking, like, someone shows some goddamn pride out there, come up with one stop, maybe not just give up a dunk. And I'm thinking who who's responsible for Who do you hold accountable on that unit to show some goddamn pride and make a stop and bring the guys together to get a stop? There's no one. There's not a there's not a single guy on that unit that you can look at to do to to come up with a stop there and like really hold accountable in that unit. And it's I don't know, it's tough. That unit's really tough to watch. And then I have a question for you guys about Draymond. At what okay. point? Uh, at what point is twenty three million dollars a lot of money to not even consider scoring the ball more than <laughs> four times?
3: Uh, appreciate the question, Roger. That is a fair question. That is something we have discussed um, kind of off and on the whole season. I just don't know what you do. Like we all want the Draymond of four years ago. I don't know that it's coming out, but the idea that you can just move. Is there a team that's willing to trade anything that the Warriors would want for Draymond Green right now, Aaron? Like, no, no, that's I'm almost resided to it's similar to the Wiggins situation. Like whatever you want, you're, you're stuck in this situation for at least another year at minimum so the goal should be how can you get the most out of it how what can you do to get him back on track in the best way possible instead of um because the only other option is then you trade him for players who don't help you to get out of a contract but that's not helping staff that's all that's going to do is make stuff actually consider leaving a free agency year, right
4: I, I mean, I, I think the only at this point, uh, the, the trading Draymond thing, the only thing that that does is it's kind of like a a, a D'Angelo Wiggins situation, right? Like if you're going to trade Draymond, it's not going to be for somebody else's good contract. It's going to be for somebody that is trying to get out of whatever money they're trying to get out of. And I don't think there is a guy in the NBA that fits with Steph better. That is a contract that some other team is trying to get out of at Draymond money. So. Draymond, Draymond is not getting traded. Right, let's just say that.
3: Yeah, I mean, there's just nothing out there that makes sense, even in that. Like, like you said, the, the D-Lo Wiggins swap was definitely like, all right, neither of us like these guys, so let's try to swap it because we think the guy you have might fit a little better
4: in our situation, right? Yeah, and that doesn't, and that doesn't exist do it with asset out of it too. So, and and frankly, yeah. Wiggins, Wiggins is a better than D'Angelo Russell. B plays a lot more because D is always hurt and C fits better. And in addition to that, they, they uh, get a
3: nice little pick. Yeah. They,
4: get, they got a, they got the best asset that is floating around in the NBA right now. So that was, that was a fantastic move. I wish the pick was unprotected, uh, but that was a fantastic move. But, but and, as like uh, a, as, as indicative of Draymond, right, that's the kind of move it's going to be. You're not trading Draymond for something that somebody else wants.
3: Yeah. That's where we're at right now. All right. Last caller of the night, Omar, the the man who coined the Khrushchev offense last podcast.
6: What's <laughs> up, my man? Yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm going to actually pile a bit on Draymond and just talk <laughs> a bit more generally about, like, I look at this season, the 40 games that we've played so far. I remember when it was supposed to get better after 20? But um, I look at it as, like, the two power forwards on on our team are kind of the guys that I look at. And I get pissed at the most, like want to crap. And you can't get pissed at him for being crap. Like you probably feel bad at this point, but I look at Draymond and I look at Pascal and it annoys the shit out of me. Like, let's talk about Draymond. Like this guy, this guy was incredible in 2014 to 2016. One of the best players in the league. There was no qualifying. Oh, but he doesn't score. He was incredible. And we still talk about him. Like he still has this like gear that he's able to hit. This guy has gaslighted us to the point where, like, we're praising every little thing that he does when he scores freaking nine points. It's banana. It's like, what the fuck is going on here? And then Pascal, on the other hand, like, I'll give him credit for this. Like, he made, you know, the tanking last year watchable, exciting, beast mode, as Kalena would call it all the time. And, like, we're out here 40 games into this season and, like, trying to, you know, force him into any different rotation playing him with different guys and it's just not working. And I'm looking at these two. And as you mentioned, unfortunately, you know, there's nothing you can get for Draymond except maybe bully him. Cause I think that works. It worked with Ubre, but with Pascal, it's like, are you, are you at the point where you've given up on him and like, you know, you'd be happy to see him go, or do you have a more generous assessment of him so far than I have? Appreciate the call Omar. Um,
3: let's end on Pascal. Aaron, what what do you think is like a realistic? For me, I'm mostly discouraged. His jump shot hasn't improved. Like he he had the entire um, pandemic pandemic layoff to work on it. We heard about how he was going to change his shot, and nothing's changed in that regard. And in my opinion, if he if he can't hit three pointers at some sort of clip that makes a defense think about guarding him out there. He's he's just another guy, right? Like he, he definitely can do some stuff if he gets a one-on-one matchup at the five position. But like without that jump shot, like that's kind of who he is, kind of a matchup five when you wants to some offense.
4: Yeah, I think um I think that's mostly right. Uh I think the problem is not his game, right? He's a he's a decent player, he's fine. Um, but the problem is the Warriors need him to be their sixth best player or seventh best player and on a good team. He's the ninth or tenth best player, um and he is because of roster construction, he's forced into things that he can't do. Yes, like does he need to rebuild his jump shot? Yes, is that going to happen? I doubt it. So the problem to me is he was in a role that was successful for him he was he was uh a, he was a small ball five, he was attacking bigger and stronger and slower centers um off the dribble and was very successful doing it. Now the Warriors have him playing with Draymond or playing with Wiseman and even some playing with Looney here and there, and it just doesn't work. Uh, He can't play four. He just, until his game changes, until he makes the improvements that you've discussed, he, he simply cannot. He is not good enough to play the four in the NBA right now. So I think the problem is he's been miscast. He was successful in a role. And then for some reason, and I don't think his knee is right, but. Uh, he was, he was pretty successful in a role and he is no longer playing that role. And that baffles me. Like if you, if, if I understand, right. You want to get Wiseman a bunch of minutes. And I agree that that should be the priority then fine. Then you have to sit Pascal fine. But, um, I think it's not fair to ask something of him that he's not capable. He's not capable of playing next to Draymond or playing next to Wiseman. He has to be a small ball five and attack those backup centers. You know, Panter and and Zubots and all of those guys right. that are kind of as athletic as him. And and that's kind of where we're
3: at with this roster. It's like I can't get mad at Nico Mannion for not being Dennis Schroeder. I can't get mad at Eric Pascal for not being Trez. I don't know why I'm going with those two examples, but they kind of they kind of nail the point, right? Like there's things I'd like to see. I'd like to see Draymond try to shoot the ball before they're down 25 in the third. I'd like to see Wiggins play with more aggression until that point. Those are things that should happen. I'd like to see James Wiseman progress at a faster rate, but like too much of this roster is, I don't know, players who should be playing on the worst team in the league. Honestly, like if you're going to play Eric Pascal 20 minutes a game or Nico Mannion, 15, 20 minutes a game, usually those guys only play those type of roles on teams like last year's Warriors where Correct. they're not winning games. And that's kind of where, they have a lot of decisions to make this summer because uh Steph, in my opinion, Steph's playing the good soldier. Uh I think he's an eternal optimist with his teammates, but I don't think he's signing up to play on this roster plus Clay Thompson next year. Like I don't I just don't think that's going to cut it for him. It's like, oh, everyone's just going to be a year older and Clay's going to come back. I don't think that's getting it done, and I I would be really surprised that the Warriors don't shake things up in some capacity.
4: Yeah, I, you and I talk about this a lot, but I think there are, I think there are at this point, like, only two questions. Question one is, what happened with Oubre at the trade deadline slash anybody else? Because, obviously, you can't replace Oubre if he walks in free agency. So. Right, right. He's the, you, most, are,
3: the most... Uh, are you point. are you
4: retrain, are you retaining Ubre and doing something um something uh trading Ubre or retain or you know you have good uh, you're optimistic you're going to retain Ubre at the deadline or is he part of something bigger at the trade deadline? That's question one, and then question two is what happens with the pick because you know I agree that you just run this back, add Clay, and then add another rookie if if the Warriors if the pick from Minnesota conveys you know even like a very high ceiling rookie like he's none still, of all, he's still going to be a rookie yeah. none of those guys are going to be ready to help win a championship next year so the two questions are what happens with Ubre slash this trade deadline and what happens with that Minnesota pick
3: yeah I mean I'm looking at the players who are coming out next year and they're all exciting if any of them are as good as LaMelo Ball one, that would be just more fun to watch than half the players on this roster. But that's sure. still not like putting you in contention. Like, LaMelo is awesome. I think he's going to be an excellent player in the NBA for a long, long time. But rookies don't really help you win titles, right? Like, l- let's be real. Like, he, he, like, you can you can carry a rookie to play a role on <laughs> a up, team.
4: Shut up, Pat McCaw.
3: Yeah, exactly. That's that's exactly. Yeah. Like James Wiseman will be in year two. And if you're competing for a title, you hope he's the only young guy who's really in your rotation, to be honest. So those are decisions they have to make going into next year. Um, Otherwise, I don't know, going forward. Like for me, the big thing is I just want to see James Wiseman get better. I'd like to see Jordan Poole do what he did versus Utah a few more times so that maybe other teams would be like, wow, that's a player I might be interested in trading for. Same for Pascal and just go down the line.
4: Yeah. I, I, I You know what I keep and it. Look, I get frustrated. You know, people have been asking about me in the chat. I grew up a Warriors fan. I've been a Warriors fan my whole life. I was, I saw uh, sleepy Floyd score 29 in the fourth quarter when I was, when I was a kid, I work for the Lakers now, but I, I'm a lifelong Warriors fan. And it's it's it is frustrating watching the warriors is frustrating <laughs> i get it but like when i come when i come back to it it's always like this is just who they are they're just like kind of mediocre um so there's high highs and low lows and i get that that's frustrating even i get frustrated watching warriors games but like this is kind of just who they are they're just mediocre
3: we're gonna end it there we're gonna end it there actually I do agree with luke he threw this in the chat he says some hard conversations need to be had we all agree, but those are ones that aren't going to happen until the off-season. So I appreciate everyone who showed up tonight. Thank you, Aaron, so much. This was a, uh, a wild one tonight. All right, later, guys.